So most people, when they see a hunk of rock, look at a hunk of rock. Michelangelo, the great artist and sculptor, said anytime he saw a hunk of marble, he saw a sculpture. He saw something formed into a masterpiece. And in some ways, that's a good analogy of who we are as human beings. We are created to be formed into something. That's how God designed us. That's how God created us. We are created to be formed into something. And uh, no one is unformed. No one goes unformed. You, as a human being, will be formed into something as you live your days here on earth. The question becomes, what are we being formed into? What are we being formed into? Are we being formed into the person of Jesus Christ, or are we being formed into a cruel substitute? Because we will be formed into something. There's no neutral ground here. You are formed into something, and the Apostle Paul knew that. He knew that there's no neutral ground, that we're formed either towards the person of Christ or formed into a cheap substitute. And he had a group of people that he cared about in this church in the city of Colossae and their surrounding churches. And his heart's desire, his heart's prayer is that they would be people that were formed into the person of Jesus Christ. And so he prays this prayer that we're going to see in our text this morning. Did you ever notice that you pray about what matters to your heart the most? A broken relationship, the welfare of a child, the job that you need to provide. What you pray about often the most is what grabs your heart. And the Apostle Paul was all about people becoming like Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see in this prayer that he prays that these people are formed into Jesus because the goal of Christianity, the goal of the Christian life is to be formed into the likeness and person of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And Paul earnestly prayed this, and we get a chance to actually see his prayer that he prayed for these people. So we're in a series called Our King, where we are going through the book of Colossians, and I encourage you to open your Bible now if you have it, to Colossians, if you're not there already, chapter 1. If you have a paper Bible, Colossians is right after Philippians. Uh, it's, if you hit 1 Thessalonians or 1 Timothy, you've gone too far. Uh, it's also in the Bible app as well. And today we are going to, or I should say the Church Center app, today we are going to look at verses 9 to 14 of Colossians chapter 1. 9 to 14. And this is a prayer from the Apostle Paul. And what he uh, has for us in this prayer is that uh, he lays out how we are formed to Jesus. He gives us five ways or five that we are formed into the person of Jesus Christ because he knows there's no neutral ground. It's one way or another. So let's go through this together. The very first one we're going to see is that as Christian believers, we are formed in our minds. We are formed in our minds. Look at verse 9. Paul writes, For this reason also, chapter 1, verse 9, since the day we heard this, we have not stopped praying for you. And then he goes on to say what they're praying about. The very first one, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul has a concern here about how Christians think. 
He has a concern about how they think as Christians because he knows that how you think as a Christian is linked directly to how you will behave as a Christian. Thinking links to our behavior, and good Christian thinking is essential. And he's saying, do your thoughts honor Christ and his church? He's saying, it matters how they think. And so, God, I want to pray that they're formed in Christ. And as they're formed in Christ, their thoughts are formed as well. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And not just understanding, but it says spiritual understanding is what he prays for. This doesn't mean religion. He's not talking about, like, uh, religious thoughts. When he talks about spiritual understanding, what he's talking about is the activity of the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, operating in their hearts and minds, taking what's in this book and making it alive in their hearts. That's what he means by spiritual understanding. He realizes that what these people need above all else is for the Holy Spirit to take what they read in the Bible and turn it into true wisdom. You see, wisdom is what God imparts to those who are close to him. Let me say that again. Wisdom is what God imparts to those who are close to him. And then he goes on and he says he wants not just wisdom, but understanding. And understanding is knowing the heart of God by having God speak to us through the Bible. And this forms our minds. I've been thinking about what it means to think like a Christian. And some of you might be saying, well, it's about time he started doing that. What does it mean to think like a Christian? There's two things that guide me. The first thing is a verse that comes in 2 Corinthians that says, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive to obey Christ. So when we're, I'm in a spot where I'm thinking a thought that's not what God would desire, am I quick to take that captive and go back to what I know is true and say, God, I need to have your mind here. I need you to form my thinking. The second thing that's helping me is something that my pastor taught me when I was a teenager, and he's talked about how Anytime you talk to a person about Christian things, he'd always have this phrase, before you talk to a human about God, talk to God about that human. To bring that person before God and pray and say, God, I'm going to have this conversation with this person. God, I ask that you would be ruling and reigning in their hearts and mine. I ask that your agenda above my own would come forward. I ask taking all these kinds of things takes our thoughts captive and helps us to be formed. In fact, think of these three words, invite before react. Invite before react. Invite before react. Before you react, invite Jesus into that thought process. God, this is what I'm feeling. This is my feelings I have toward this. I want to invite you into that. I want to give that to you so that I honor you. In doing that, you begin to have a peace. You begin to have a strength. You begin to realize that this world is not controlled by us, but controlled by God who knows all things, and it's going to be okay if we turn it over to him. We are formed in our minds. Number two, we are formed in our behavior we are formed in our behavior. He goes on to see, look in verse 10, so that you may walk, this is his prayer, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Fully pleasing him, bearing fruit. 
getting knowledge not to brag and say, look how great I am, but rather to walk in a way that is worthy. You see, Paul's intention here is that this is a way of life for people who call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus. A lifestyle that pleases Jesus comes, that they, they live a life that has the characteristics of Jesus, the love, the truth, the actions of Jesus. And he talks about the gospel bearing fruit as we looked at last week in verse 6. Now he's talking about the fruit of the gospel bearing itself in us, making us match with what the gospel says as God's people. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to reflect God? There's two legs, if you will, that help you walk in the way worthy of God that's listed here. The first one is our behavior, that you walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, bearing fruit. He's talking about this fruits of the Spirit. They're love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. Those are the things that help us. We walk in those things to follow Christ. Behavior and belief is the other leg behavior and belief. We walk and we bear fruit and we grow in the knowledge of God. Behavior and belief. And this isn't in our own power. It's not that we look at the list of the fruits of the Spirit and say, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm more kind today. I'm going to make sure I'm more... No, no, we get engrafted in Jesus Christ. We focus on Jesus and this is the net result that comes. It's a gospel-empowered fruit-bearing because you know what? In and of ourselves, we are fruit failures. Every single one of us. We are fruit failures. We cannot bear that fruit without Jesus Christ living in our lives. And that's the glorious promise of the gospel. It infects us. And the Christian's mind and behavior gets formed to Christ because of what Jesus has done. I'm going to get a little personal here. And I'll be honest, I bantered back and forth whether to go down this road, but this morning about 6.30, God told me to take the shot, so I'm going to obey that. As a pastor these days, you never know how much to address the whole pandemic thing. Because there's some of us that are like, please, when I come to church, don't talk about that again. I am so sick and tired of talking about that and knowing about it, right? At the same time, it's right here in front of us everywhere we go. And so you feel... Like you're out of touch if you don't address it somewhat. And so, and to be honest, I don't know. I don't know when to address it and when not to at this point. I'll be honest with you. And so I'm just trying to go by the uh, move of the Spirit. But I want to say something to you. There's a threat going on to the church of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? There's a threat. Do you know that there's an enemy called Satan, and his one desire is to destroy the church of Jesus Christ on earth. Do you know that? Do you know that we have an enemy? And do you know what his tool is now to do that? I never thought I'd see the day. I always thought it'd be like a, a weird teaching or a selfish act. But his tool to destroy the church of Jesus Christ is this right here. A piece of cloth and some string. And my concern, you want to know what keeps me up at night lately? It kept me up most of the night last night. My concern is that when the mask mandate lifts and we go to two services, one where masks are mandatory and one where they're recommended, we're not saying they're optional, we're saying they're recommended, that we create two different churches here at Crossview Church. We create one service that has this political view, we create another service that has this political view, and this 
group feels like this group is nuts, and this group feels like this group is nuts, and this group feels superior to this group, and it creates two different services here at Crossview Church. I'm just telling you right now, as the pastor that loves this church with more than I can tell you, if that happens, if I sense a whiff of that happening, I'm going to do everything in my pastoral power to change and shut it down so we do not get disunited. And if that means we change format, if that means we stop inside and go online, if that means we all have to wear pink and purple sweatshirts that say, I love the people at Crossview Church and no one gets in without one of those sweatshirts, I will do whatever it takes to make sure we stay unified as a church. Because God does not want his church disunified and the enemy is waiting and moving and he's going in our hearts and our minds and he's getting in and Paul is saying in here, your minds and your behaviors must be formed to Christ. You're allowed to have an opinion but disagreement does not mean disunity. You want to know what biblical love would look like? If the people go into 1030 service would wear a mask and come to the 845 and serve in areas like usher, greeter, and that to help the people who are in that uh, spot. And the vice versa. Those that come to the 845 would wear their mask and come to the 1030 and serve as an usher, greeter, welcome center person to help others. That's what biblical love would look like. And what will protect us from going down the road of that disunity? Does my thinking honor Jesus Christ in his church formed in mind? And does my behavior honor Jesus Christ in his church formed in heart? So let's look at the next one. We're formed in mind, we're formed in our behavior, and we're also formed to endure. Formed to endure. Look at verse 11. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is prayer. So that you may have great endurance and patience. A lot of times we look at this and we see strengthened with all power. We love that and we should. We're strengthened with all power. That's a great thing. But some have misunderstood this to mean that the Christian is never knocked down by the difficulties of life. And that's not true. Some have meant this to mean that we uh, conquer everything now in the here and now as Christians and nothing bad will happen to us and that's not true. God has not promised us heaven on earth. He's promised heaven in heaven. And while we are at earth, we are in battle. You've got to read the rest of the verse. We're being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience during difficult times like the ones we live in now. That was Paul's prayer, that they're formed to a spot where they can endure things like we're going through now, that their faith doesn't just change and flicker when the minute some trial comes in, but they have this anchor, this ballast they hold to in the midst of a trial, and you're formed to endure. That's what he's getting at here. That's a mark of a Christian. God promises us strength to endure trials, and, it's being, and to do so forms us into the place of Jesus Christ. My biggest prayer through this pandemic is that when we get to the other side of it, we are more like Jesus than we were before. Why did God bring this pandemic? I have no idea, and I'm not going to guess. But I can say this. He allows trials in our life to shape us more like his son. So what a tragedy it will be if on the other side of this pandemic, we are no more closer to Jesus Christ than we were before. 
God uses these things to shape us and mold us, to give us a strength that looks like Jesus. Number four, we're formed by gratitude. Look at verse 12. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Giving thanks is written in command form. You know why? Because Paul knows it does not come naturally for fallen humans like us to be thankful to God. And so he gives this command. We must pray and ask God to empower us to be thankful, to see all the amazing things we have to be thankful for. We can get so focused on lesser things like this and other things that we forget what we have to be thankful for. That God saves us. That our regrets aren't the final word. That our sin isn't the final word. That he's done something to bring us into a place of forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ that we can live with him forever. That when we die, we can be certain about our destination and where we're going. To be with him forever in heaven because of what Jesus did not separate from him in hell. What do we have? Something so much to be thankful for. John Stott said this. I love this quote. He said, Thankfulness is the soil where pride and arrogance does not easily grow. Thankfulness is the soil where pride and arrogance does not easily grow. A Christian heart is a thankful heart. It's a heart that brings up love. Paul knows nothing can stir up thankfulness in our hearts more than to reflect upon what Jesus has done. That's why the very last one he prays for is that we are formed by a Jesus transfer. We are formed by a Jesus transfer. Look at verse 13 to 14. It says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He's transformed us. He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The word there, rescue, means to save, to deliver, to persevere. And I want you to focus on that word transferred. Notice it's in the past tense. He did this. It happened already. By the cross of Jesus Christ, he transferred everyone who's a follower of his from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his light. And that's how we should live. It happened already. It is imperative that we who call ourselves Christians understand that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus. We moved from that place from where worry and fear and lust and hatred and evil reigns. We've shifted to a place of love and peace and power and light and God's rule and reign happens. He did that on the cross. What do those two reigns look like? Let me describe something to you. I love what Pastor Jed, he taught me this. If you, uh, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you. But if you go to Galatians 5, 19 to 23, it says this. There, there's two descriptions, one of the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness, and one of the kingdom of light. Paul writes in Galatians 5, 19, Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Kingdom of darkness. 
Kingdom of light, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then Pastor Jed always asks this to people. He asks this of Christians. He asks this of non-Christians. He says, let me read you two different descriptions of two different families. One family is marked by this. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. The other family is marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Which family do you want to live in? What family do you want to live in? It's obvious, right? We all would live more in the kingdom of light because God created us and he knows that we are best living in his kingdom. And he made that happen by his cross. Do not be a Christian that lives with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. Do not be a Christian that lives in one piece of this darkness while trying to live in this light. It will never, ever work for you. God wants us to be people who live in the kingdom because he's transferred us there. The Apostle Paul believed in the power of prayer to transform hearts. And that's exactly what he did here in this verse. All of this is a prayer that we be formed to Christ. And I don't know where you find yourself when you come here this morning today. Maybe you're dealing with something that's heavy. Maybe you're dealing with hardship. Maybe you have a question in your mind. I don't know where you are at, but God is here, and God's desire is that you are formed into the person of Jesus Christ in his likeness. And I'm going to invite you to do something this week. This week, we're not going to have a devotional on you version because all we have and all we need is right here. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do this week. Take this scripture that we just looked at, Colossians 9 to 14. Colossians chapter 1, 9 to 14. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is to pray this twice a day for the next seven days. But there's a way I want you to pray it. I'm encourage you to take this and maybe you write it out on a card, maybe you put it on your phone, maybe you just open your Bible in the morning and the evening when you get up and, and just, and I would encourage you, set your alarm 15 minutes earlier, that's all it takes. 15 minutes to be formed to Jesus is worth it, right? And before you put your head on the pillow, do it again. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And the first time you pray it and you read it, I want you to read it as it is a prayer, but I want you to substitute the word you for I. Meaning this, we are asking that, you, that I, God, I'm asking that I would be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom, so that I may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, that I would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that I may have great endurance and patience. You replace the you with I. Do that in the morning when you start your day. And then at night before you go to bed, I take you to substitute the word I, for someone that you love and care about, that God puts on your heart. God, I pray that Pastor Dan would be filled with all the knowledge of your will because he needs it bad, that he would walk worthy, or your spouse, or your kids, or your neighbor, or your friend, whoever. But at night, you pray that for somebody else. Morning, you pray it for your own heart. Night, you pray it for somebody. Do that five to seven days this week. 
And let's trust God that he will move by the power of his spirit to make us and form us in the people of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray this prayer for us as a church right now as we transform, move from sermon to worship. So please bow your heads with me as I pray. God, our Father, we ask that we would be a people across View Church who are filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that we would walk worthy of you. Father, we pray that we would be fully pleasing to you, that we would bear fruit in every good work, and that we would grow in the knowledge of who you are. Father, I pray that we be people who are strengthened with all power according to your glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience that we would joyfully give thanks to you who has saved us and called us to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Father, we thank you that you rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom that your son loves. Help us to walk in that fully. And we thank you for the redemption you've given us and the forgiveness of sins. And God, we just ask right now that you would forgive us for all of our sins. God, that we would stand as your people, holy and blameless because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Wash there. Forgive us for the times that we've let our flesh go crazy and our minds go nuts and that we've wandered in places that are not pleasing to you. God, forgive us. I pray that you'd fill us with your grace and your love and your truth, that we would reflect you wherever we go. And we pray that this, and I ask just for the unity of our church, God, that you would preserve it, that you would strengthen it. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.